0: This is the 200 Churches Podcast, episode 36.
1: This is the 200 Churches Podcast, created to encourage and inspire pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church and strive to provide information and encouragement to make you smile, think, and be challenged. The salt and pepper of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the 200 Churches podcast today. Jeff, I know you like when I say that. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that they've tuned in as well.
0: Tuning in, yeah. I'm Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm here with my guy. Jeff Katie, And we are happy to be bringing you a podcast this beautiful Wednesday. Well, I mean, it's Wednesday when, when this goes up, but maybe it's not Wednesday when you're listening. You but. know,
1: we don't even know what year it is when people listen to the podcast because... They're out there in the ether internet forever and ever and ever. So, Hello on, in the future. Yes, depending on when you're listening to this, we hope that you enjoy it. Because honestly, we've got a serious, serious topic to talk about today. And this topic is taken from an article written by Timothy Keller. So we're going to rip it off and we're going to use it today but we're giving him the credit. This is the
0: citation. Tim Keller wrote this article. Tim
1: Keller, the article is called Leadership and Church Size Dynamics, How Strategy Changes with Growth. I would suggest you check out the link on our post, uh, 200churches.com, and uh, you download this article. It's a PDF. It's multiple pages. You should read every word. Every, that's, a high, that's high praise. Every word. That's a lot of words. We're just going to look at one section of it today, but I have a B in my bonnet. You have. <laughs> okay. Yes. What is the B? Bee... No, a B. What is the B in your bonnet? The B in my bonnet is, you know, we're 200churches.com. We're the 200 Churches podcast. We talk about 200 churches. Right. Churches of around 200, give or take 100 or two. All right. Now, the B in my bonnet is for the pastor or church leader who's in a small church and thinks he has uh, what Tim Keller, I think he refers to somewhere in this article, is the moral superiority because he is in a small church. And small churches are more spiritual than larger churches.
0: Small churches are obviously far more spiritual than larger churches. Okay, though
1: so that's the bee in my bonnet. Oh, okay. That's part of the bee. The other part of the bee in my bonnet is, is a pastor or church leader who thinks somehow that having a small church is is the goal and is the point, when the point of us talking about a 200 church is that sometimes the kingdom potential for a church is only 75. And our point is that if your kingdom potential is 75, celebrate the 75 people yeah. you have. Celebrate your church. Don't worry about it. Don't let anybody put you down because of your 75, okay? But be an example to all the other churches, right? Be a great small church. The be in my bonnet is for the pastor and church leaders who are keeping their church small because of either inadvertent ignorance, and when I say ignorance, I don't mean it negatively cuz I'm ignorant, you're ignorant. I'm right, very Johnny? ignorant. Yes. I mean we're just ignorant of things that we don't know about. That's called <laughs> ignorance. So inadvertent ignorance or willful ignorance of the issue of group dynamics. Right. We're not talking about spiritual warfare, we're talking about practice. Talk we're about, talking about the talk game. Talking about
0: practice? We're talking
1: about practice, right? Okay, no, no, no. We're getting off on something. <laughs> A few of you know what that is, okay? We're not talking about spiritual warfare, we're not talking about leadership ability, we're not talking about morality, we're not talking about size of town. We're talking about simply group dynamics, how different size groups work and operate. And if your church is only 75 because you operate in such a way that the group can't get any bigger, that's not what we want to celebrate. No, that's not not good. We as pastors
0: and leaders... Should be working to our kingdom potential or as close to our kingdom potential as we can get that's that's the goal and so if if there's a thing that you can adjust there's a there's a small uh change to make that could get you closer to your kingdom potential. We want to help you do that, and uh, again, like Jeff said, our goal was not that you would have some mega church out there. Our goal is simply that you would be working to your kingdom potential. And so today we're going to take this Tim Keller article, and we're going to pull out some things that he says about group dynamics that hopefully will help you make a shift and get closer to working to your kingdom potential.
1: And again, this isn't about church growth. This is about serving God. Yes. Right? Because if I'm going to be a pastor then I'm going to be a pastor. I'm not going to be a maintainer. I'm not going to be a maintenance guy who's just overseeing this little organization that calls itself a church. I want to be a pastor. I want to reach people. I I want to be, you know, to to rip off the army now, I want to be all that I can be, right? (laughs) Right? For God. So what we're going to talk about today is first the character of a church of, oh, around 100 to 150. What are churches that size like? And then we're going to talk about what the challenges are to move through what they call the 200 barrier. I would imagine a lot of you listening are are maybe at that. Maybe you're at that. You're at that 150 sized church right now, and you are knocking at the door of 200. And you're facing whether you know it or not. When you read this article, it's it's very revealing. You're facing the 200 barrier. So Johnny, let's talk about. You know, what is true of a church if my church is like 100 or 150?
0: Well, I think the first thing that Tim Keller talks about is that there's still a strong expectation that every member will have a face-to-face working relationship with every other member.
1: I have to know everybody.
0: They'll know each other. They'll know something about each other. Um, they'll have some sort of relationship where they've met, they've interacted, they have some sort of working relationship with each other.
1: And that's that's what I like about my church is the fact that I can know everybody. It's kind of nice. And if that changes, I may not like my church. Right. Okay. The reality is,
0: knowing 150 people, you don't really know those people. I mean, you have some type of relationship with them, Um, so... But you have that face-to-face knowledge, face-to-face relationship.
1: What's the next thing? Another thing is that leadership can be somewhat informal. Even though there are certain people that have certain offices, like they're an elder or they're a deacon or they're a treasurer in the church, there are these people in the church who are what Keller calls opinion leaders. I mean, these are the—if you've heard John Maxwell talk three times, you've heard him talk about Claude from Hillham, Indiana— and Claude was the guy that everybody followed. So in a 150 church, you're going to have a a person or a couple people that if they don't approve of something that's new, it probably isn't going to get accepted by the rest of the congregation. So the next thing
0: is that communication happens mostly by word of mouth and is relatively swift. So if something goes down, everybody finds out about it pretty fast, and they find out about it, from somebody else so that's how communication probably happens in your church if it's between 40 and 150 people
1: another thing is that the pastor is still primarily a shepherd well in a mega church you need to be a little bit more of a leader and a vision caster in the smaller church The pastor is the one who is going to go to the hospital, going to go see the baby born, going to go preside over the funeral, is going to counsel with people. So the pastor is still primarily a shepherd. And not just that, but
0: but shepherding is the primary uh, mark of the pastor's ministry. So um, in a small church, people will put up with bad preaching if the person is
1: a good shepherd. Yeah, like I'm a good shepherd. You're a pretty good preacher. I mean, though. I'm not the good shepherd, you know, but a good shepherd. <laughs> but in
0: a larger church, you might put up with a little bit of poor pastoring if the preaching is really good. And so in a smaller church, you get uh, maybe not the most engaging uh, messages. I'm sure you listening out there, uh, you are very engaging. But these are th- traits of smaller churches the the messages are less important than the shepherding would be a good way to say it.
1: And if as a pastor you say, well, hey, I'm I'm going to lead, I'm going to vision cast, I'm going to strategize, I'm going to develop leaders, I don't have time to go to the hospital, I don't have time to visit people, I don't have a lot of time for one-on-one, you're actually acting like somebody who's in a different sized church. So in a group dynamic of a of a church of 150, you can't do that as a pastor. You've got to be a shepherd to the people, or else it's probably not going to work. And then, lastly, is really interesting. Timothy Keller writes changes are still processed relationally and informally by the whole congregation not just the leaders. But since the congregation is not just a house church, decisions take a lot longer time to make uh, in this medium-sized church because change in a small church happens from the bottom up through key lay leaders. So no major changes can be made unless you get at least one of these people to be an ally and an advocate for you as a pastor. And then the last one is that changes are still processed relationally, and everybody has to have has to have an in, some input on it, or you can't change. And if it seems like the change might cause somebody to leave, then we're probably not going to change. So those are kind of the character traits of a church of about 100 or 150. But now you're, you're talking about a 200 church that wants to go from 150 to 250, or from 150 to 300, and there's this 200 barrier. And Keller talks about six changes that you need to be willing to make. And the first change, Johnny, is what? You have to change that face-to-face mentality.
0: Uh, you have to change the the mentality that every voting member should have a face-to-face relationship with every other voting member. We have to realize, hey, there's going to be people here that I don't know, that don't know me, and that's okay.
1: And the church members need to be willing to accept that. They can't say that, well, this church is getting impersonal because I don't know everybody, or because there may be more than one service this isn't, you know, this isn't right because we, we can't fellowship together. We can't know everybody. And and when you go from 150 to 300, the bottom line is you're not going to know all of the new people in your church. And this is a, this first change involves uh, creating options and creating opportunities that not everybody's going to get involved in. For for instance, a second service. If you have a second service, obviously people aren't going to both services. And if people go to an early service and a later service, then they're not going to see each other. And that's just a change that they're going to need to make. And I think you
0: just lit on one of the biggest changes that they have to make is just being willing to have a second service. To say, you know what, it's time to split. Maybe we do a contemporary and a traditional. Maybe they're the same, but we just have different hours. But willing to split and say,
1: we're going to have multiple services at our church. So that's the first change. It's just multiplying the options in your church and just not knowing you're not going to know everybody, you're not going to be in the same room with the same people, with all the people all the time. The second change is this willingness to add another staff person on. Because if you're a church of about 150, 175, you've got enough people and enough income to pay a pastor fairly well, but you don't have perhaps enough to pay that second guy. But if you don't get that second guy or that second lady to come in on staff and fill an important role, and for your church it might be a youth ministry role, it might be an outreach role, it might be children's ministry, it might be small groups, whatever that is, if you never bite the bullet and the people don't commit to supporting that second person, you're never going to get past the, the 200 barrier because one pastor just cannot manage that many people. And the leadership and infrastructure that's needed to minister to a church in the 200s.
0: So before I came to our church, I was called to a church in Denver. I'm not sure if I've talked about that on the podcast before, but I was called to a church in Denver. Um, I was going to be the second pastor. The goal of the church was to grow, to reach its community, uh, and they thought by reaching the community, they would probably grow with community members. Uh, and they, they realized, hey, we need to expand the staff. We need to have more people if that's going to happen. Um, ultimately, I got called. And then I got a call back. Then they said, sorry, but uh, you got no uncalled. thanks. I got uncalled. uncalled. It is what it is. And a year later, the pastor there ended up leaving, going to another church, and now they're in some weird transitional limbo deal. You need to be willing to make that step. Your church has to be willing to say, if we're serious about our kingdom potential being greater than what it is now, then we need to make a step of faith and hire a second staff
1: member to get us over the hump, to, to get us where we need to be. So a question occurs to me right now. When we're talking about a church and small churches versus big churches, blah, 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 is it acceptable for a group of people to say, you know what? We want our church to be where we can all meet at the same time, we can all know each other and worship together. We're just really not interested in in doing these organizational business, in quotes, things that it would be required to get bigger. Is, is it acceptable? Is it okay for a church to say that, to say, we just want one service, we just, we'll fit in as many as we can fit in, but that's kind of where we're going to end it.
0: With that question, I wonder if you are limiting what you're willing to let God do with your church. So by saying we want to be able to be face-to-face and meet with each other, you're basically saying we don't want growth. We don't want outsiders. And then what is the purpose of your church? Most small churches would tell you they want outsiders. They wouldn't have the type of mentality that you're describing. Now, making these changes sure is difficult, um, but, you know, I would say most churches should have at least some willingness to make the hurdles. If you have a church that's not willing to make any of the hurdles, it's, it's probably not healthy because it's not a church that is seeking to reach out and grow, um, grow people, not grow in number, but grow people and build the kingdom.
1: See, where I've seen some churches are confused is they legitimately will say, and from their hearts mean it, Yes, we want to grow. We want to reach more people. Well, at the same time, saying to each other, we don't want to add another service because we think there's value in us all worshiping together. We'd rather build a bigger room, but we can't right now, so we're just going to have the people that can fit in here. In other words, we want to grow, but we're only going to grow as many as can fit in this room. And so the shoe is going to tell the foot how big it can get.
0: Well, see... uh, Jumping ahead, Timothy Keller's last point is um, considering the option of moving to a new space and facilities. And so the church that you're talking about, I, I actually don't see much problem with saying we all want to worship together. We are into one big corporate worship service. If you're rich. you But you better be able to put the money up, put right? your money where your mouth is, or... Or go to a local school and to their gymnasium if you don't have the room in your church and say, well, we're just
1: going to move out of this place and go to a different place. So there they go. There they go. It took 36 episodes, and the 200 churches guys are finally calling the small churches sinful and saying that churches need to grow, right? I mean, is that where we're at? It took us 36 episodes. But, but that is not what we're saying, what we're saying is if you're king to potential because of your neighborhood because of your perhaps your leadership ability maybe you just do not have the leadership capacity to handle and navigate the kind of leadership issues that are involved in leading a group dynamic that's 3 or 400 what does that mean? Does that mean you get out of the ministry? No, we, we don't think it means that you get out of the ministry. We think that maybe God's put you in your church, you lead to your capacity, to what God's gifted you and the way God has designed you. And to me, that's where, hey, this is the church, they've called their pastor, this is this is where they're at. That's okay. But if you have the ability to break through barriers, but you purposely don't do it because you want your church to stay a certain comfortable size, that's where I I, I just don't buy that. I don't think that's right.
0: I think the only caveat that I would add, Jeff, the tension on the podcast today, this is a tough subject, though. The only caveat is you're talking about terms of ability and capacity, and that almost indicates that a small church leader is just a little less than. He just is a little less able or a little less capable than a large church pastor, and I think it's more an issue of gifting if you're gifted as a shepherd, you're not going to have a big church. That's fine. We need pastors who are shepherds. There are people out there who need to be shepherded and don't shouldn't go to mega churches. They should go to your church. You're gifted to lead a small congregation and there are people in your community, no matter how big it is, who need to be in a small community.
1: Thank you, Mr. Politically Correct, touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy. <laughs> I don't think it's political okay? correctness. Now, I mean, I don't, I don't have the capacity of a Bill Hybels. I'm okay with that because you know what? Neither do 99% of the rest of the pastors in America. We don't have the capacity. So, so we're saying six or a half dozen, whatever, however you want to say it, capacity, gifting, yeah, fine. No, gifting. you are, you are just as good as Bill Hybels. You're just good in different ways. Keep telling me, baby. Keep and telling we me.
0: elevate these mega guys. That's the whole point of the podcast: is that we've elevated mega guys in our culture, in our society, and at the cost of making small church pastors feel less than. We had Carl Vader's on. He talked about that same thing, and it's not a less than more than. It's a straight difference and gifting difference. That's like asking uh, asking me and you to switch jobs tomorrow. I'm not gifted to handle the situations that you're handling. Well, you
1: don't have the capacity that I have. Oh, that's, that's you're true. just that's you just true.
0: won't admit when you've uh, stepped in it. That's what okay, I think. Okay, well, we're <laughs> just gonna
1: move right along here, folks. We'll <laughs> we'll deal with this after the podcast.
0: It's all right. It's all right. I don't know. I'm not okay. You just don't think the small church pastors are as good as large church pastors. And I'm the warm, fuzzy one. Well, you're just, you're making people, you're calling people
1: out. Okay, you're listening to me. Do you think that I, do you think Johnny's right that what I said is that small church pastors aren't as good as? I'm talking about skill and capacity yeah, if your skill and capacity, if you've not been gifted by God with a certain <laughs> level of skill or capacity... you try to equate then, the two now. that's the same. Gifting, skill, capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. That's a, that's this a, is really we've fun. We've never we, had a fight. We, um, yeah, we don't normally do this. This, this is the first fight we've had, and we've had it on a recording. That's good. That's good. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> So, What's the next so change? you need to bring somebody else on. That's yes. the second change. The third change is a willingness to let power shift away from the laity and even lay leaders to the staff. So that when when you have to get buy in from everybody in a church of three hundred, you're never going to get buy in from everybody. And so the the laity in the church, which okay, technically now here's another one. I don't think we believe in laity. I mean, everybody in the church. Sure. I understand the term, okay, and that's fine. But everybody in the church is a minister. Is if they're if they're filled with the Spirit and and if they're Christians, if they're Christ followers, okay, then they're involved in leadership. But you can't have three hundred people telling the elders, the board, uh, or the leadership team what to do. So they have to be willing to let the control, the day to day control, and that the, the the big picture leadership move from the masses to the leadership so that things can get done. And again, it's not its not this like super spiritual thing. No. It's just group dynamics. No, yeah. It's group dynamics. You can't do what you do in a church of 350 that you do in a church of 60. Tim
0: Keller goes a step beyond saying elder board. He says, let the leadership rest on the staff.
1: That's right. Lay, even from the lay leaders... To the staff.
0: So this, as a pastor listening, you should be excited. You're going executive. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, if
1: you're gifted.
0: It's time. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) <laughs> it's time to start making some decisions, uh making some decisions and making some moves and you can't have every little thing running through the board because if you're going to get past 200 250, you've reached a complexity level as an organization where everything cannot possibly go through the lay leaders, the most important stuff, certainly, I, I'm all for boards, and we're an elder-run church, but the most,
1: the, the, the stuff can't all run through the board It's just too complex. Well, what he says here is that the, the board or the elders will no longer be able to sign off on absolutely everything. Exactly. They'll have to let the staff and individual volunteer leaders make many decisions on their own. Another really interesting thing that he says in this section is that in smaller churches, Uh, the lay people tend to know people in the church better than the pastor. They tend to know everybody else in the church better than the pastor, the new people that come in. And in a larger church, the staff tends to know the new people and be connected to the new people better than the lay people. And you'd think it would be just the opposite. So when you read the article, that's that's an interesting point to read up on and and to note.
0: So the fourth change that a church has to make kind of, relationally-wise, group dynamics-wise, is uh, they have to have a willingness to become more formal and deliberate in their assimilation and communication. That's a mouthful by Tim Keller. But what he's saying is you have to stop trying to assimilate people always relationally. You have to have structures in place to to shepherd new people through the process. It it can't just all happen through relationships and, hi, how you doing? Are you a new person? I'm so-and-so. Uh, these things have to become formalized structures so that we can grab
1: new people as they're coming in the door. And now we're talking about systems. Yeah. Because from going from a small group to a larger group, you have to have systems in place. And if you don't, you know, if, if somebody's going to do it, probably nobody's going to do it. If, oh, somebody will do it, well, yeah, probably it's not going to get done. If just somebody's going to do it, it's got to be a person. It's got, there's got to be a system in place for it to get done. I think
0: about Rick Warren and his, minister, his membership class is like a weeks-long process.
1: No, just four hours. Oh just oh I'm sorry. Yeah, just a 4 hours on like a Saturday in one day, or Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's a 4 hour. It might be better class. to be
0: weeks long process, but well, it's a 4 hour class in one day. That's very formal. He you know, right. that's like everything and then the people who go through there are in and their names are on a list and they're in. Um, as a larger church that's what you have to do because you got so many people walking in and out and in and out. You're not going to be able to to wrap your arms around who
1: you have unless you formalize your structures. The fifth change that he talks about is, again, just the willingness of both the pastor and the people to see the pastor in a different role, to have him do shepherding a little bit less and leading a little bit more, because the next size church, over 200, requires a bit more vision casting and and strategizing and a lot more administrative work. And so the pastor and people both have to be aware of that. They both have to be good with that and the pastor has to give himself the permission to not be at every wedding, at every funeral, at every at every birth, at every counseling session, and the people need to give uh themselves the permission to not expect him to be. So the pastor is going to have to spend more time with fewer people and less time with a lot of people. And, and again, it's it's not a right or wrong, it's group dynamics. It's something that's so like amoral. And so, ah, ah-biblical, it's just the way things are, and it's something that you have to do if you want to move your church into the 200 uh, strata. And this is one of the deals where you might not be gifted in this way, and this one chafes me a little
0: bit, because I'd rather spend time with people and less time administrating. I hate administrative tasks. I would never tell anybody that that's my gifting, administrative tasks. And so I hear this one, and I think, you want to take me away from people and stick me behind a desk? That sounds terrible. And so maybe uh, maybe you're not gifted in this type of way. That's fine. It's not You are not less than because of that. That's just not the way that you're built. That's not the cut of your jib. And so
1: that's okay. So if you're listening to this uh, episode past 2017... Go ahead and get on the website and check out episode one twelve, and see who I'm doing the podcast with because apparently it's not going to be Johnny because <laughs> he doesn't have the capacity to stick around past like episode maybe you like seventy. Be kidding me? This is just ridiculous. <laughs> Jeff has no
0: room for people with different giftings. Apparently. Oh my! This is just
1: sad. I just I just know myself. I'm self aware. And I'm not ashamed to be self aware. <laughs> okay, to get Understand out of my here. capacity level. Hey, if we hope that this conversation has caused you to think about your leadership, to think about the leadership of your church, because you as the leader, my goodness, God is going to use you as the leader to do good things, important things, significant things in the lives of your people and in the life of your church which is a group, and it has dynamics depending on the size of it. So, again, go to the post or just look up uh, Timothy Keller, Leadership and Church Size Dynamics, download the PDF online, and read what he has to say. It is really interesting, and I think it will be really helpful to you. So we hope that this
0: podcast has been helpful for you today. I hope that listening to Jeff and I argue a little bit has been edifying <laughs> to you as well. And uh, and we hope to grab you next time on the 200 Churches podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches
1: podcast. Feel free to give the guys feedback or ask questions at 200churches.com. And remember, the leadership that you provide in your 200 Church matters big in the kingdom of God.